All right, welcome back to the Enjoy the Walk podcast, guys. As always, joined by my co-host Isaiah and Dante. This awesome Thursday evening, we're wrapping up some Genesis picks and getting right into our interview with Bagger, Pat Webster. What an awesome story he's got to tell everyone from down there at Pinehurst. Uh, guys, who do you got this week for the Genesis? I don't know. There's so many to choose from. How it do you choose just one? Field, right? Um, you know, I've chosen Speeth a couple times so far, so I'm not going to go with Speeth this week, even though he did just give that little backdoor top 10 at, um, at Pebble. I was going to say, you're, you're hanging him up on the, on the rack to dry when he's, <laughs> he's finally starting to pull through? Yeah. Done. Over. <laughs> hanging hanging uh, up the gloves. <laughs> I'm going with Johnny Vegas this week. Whoa. Going with Vegas. I like that. I like your eye. You get to roll a little it's, dice, throw some crap shoots for the Vegas man this week? Might as well. I'm going to. <laughs> for sure. So I, I got that. Vegas. Dante, he, he's got? a long ball hitter. I like that pick. Yeah. I don't know. It's going to be interesting because I think a lot of guys are going to be, you know, you know, we're in L.A. playing for, you know, a lot of guys are representing uh, Kobe Bryant um, as he rests in peace and Gianna and the rest of the families there. Uh, so I know Harold Varner the third is rocking some sick gear. He's got some custom Jordans and some custom uh, head covers. So I know he's going to be playing his heart out there. But I, I don't know. I want to go with him because you know I'm always rooting rooting for my shorter guys on tour. Mm. But I don't know. I think I think JT is out for revenge. I know mm. he was coming down the stretch last year and. Mm-hmm kind of threw it away and based on some of the recent posts and how like he's he's buddy buddy with people but when he has that on the course he wants to basically end your golfing career i think he's mm-hmm. definitely going to come out for revenge uh and make a mark uh so i'm gonna go with jt good pick that's, that's a great pick i i think he got a little robbed not robbed but he just couldn't close last year shooting yeah. four under in the final round so um you know jb Holmes kind of coming out of nowhere too and and uh finishing things off after that uh that kind of collapse J- justin had last week so yeah mm-hmm. i think that's a great pick uh and he's already playing phenomenal this year just knocking down leaderboards kind of every time he plays so i i really love that a pick i think that I'm just going to have to take because I just feel like, you know, the, the UCLA kid is going to play well uh, in LA and represent his, uh, his, his hometown pretty much. I, I'm going with Patrick Cantlay this week. Okay. Mm-hmm. Man, I haven't seen him on a leaderboard in a minute though. Are you sure about that? Oh, dude, 100%. You want me to run through some of his previous finishes? or, no, or, or is that he has played well, consistently well there. So that's a solid pick for the week. I just mean it in the grand scheme of things. This past year, he was only on two, maybe three leaderboards for radar, at, at least that I had seen. Hey, I'm running you through here. ATT, Pebble Beach Pro-Am, T11, Century Tournament mm-hmm. Champions, four, Hero World Challenge, 17th, Shriners, back in the fall in October, T2, Safeway, T40. So, I mean, he's making cuts. The kid's steady. He's at least going to give a run at it this week, I think. He finished T20 last year here. So, yeah, yeah, I don't know. I I, I like the kid. He's got a solid game, um, always a great putter of the ball, and I think you got to putt Mm -hmm. well here. 
Um, so should be interesting to see this week. There's a lot of big names stacked in the field. You know, uh, recently dethroned ex-world number one Brooks Kepka mm-hmm. in the field. New number one Rory McIlroy in the field. Uh, quite possibly the hottest golfer on the planet every time he tees it up lately, Tiger Woods. How do none of us pick him? Yeah, I was expecting you to, Dalton. Well, I thought you had Tiger for sure. I so I'm glad to hear Cantlay. The way, the way he was uh, bringing that out, I was like, he's going Tiger for sure. <laughs> I'm a big fan of history, and Tiger hasn't won there in 13 years uh, hmm. every, every time he's teed it up there. So there's just something about this course that he just doesn't win at. He contends. He just yep. doesn't win here. Um, I just think it takes him a few rounds in tournaments to get, get into the swing of things. Because come Masters time and that little stretch there, basically major season, he's in full swing. Uh, I, think, I think he's got to knock off some rust or loosen loosen that back up. A I think it bit. is too. This is his tournament. He's hosting it. There's so much obligation as a tournament host to be running around and fulfilling, you know, media time here, dinner engagements here and mm-hmm. there. It's like it, as a tournament host, it's almost like it's just too much to do and try and win a tournament. Um, right. it's, it's just why I didn't go with him. Uh, mm. Do I think it's any shade on what I think he's going to do in 2020? Absolutely not. I think he's going to have a <laughs> hell of a year. Um, yeah. But I'm just I'm, – I'm waiting to stage my pick for him as, as a winner this year for the first time um, a little later in the year. Yeah, that's fair. I can appreciate that. But, you know, in the spirit of all things, you know, Kobe and Mamba mentality, if there's any player that's ever displayed sort of the, you know, the quintessential, um, the spirit of the Mamba mentality, I don't think anyone would argue with me saying that Tiger Woods definitely displays the Mamba mentality and has had displayed that for many years. I couldn't agree more. I think, you know, you look at some of the greats when you're talking about like transcending their generation mm-hmm. of a sport. You look at Michael Jordan. You look at who looked up to him. Kobe and Tiger looked up to the way MJ approached the game. And then, you know, as they were kind of coming of age, Tiger talked about it, you know, um, after uh, his final round at Tory when when the media let tiger know really about uh kobe bryant's unfortunate tragedy um and tiger spoke about you know them kind of coming up together and you know they both found fame around the same time and they kind of leaned on each other um you know not heavily they weren't the bestest of friends but when they did hang out it was always like great recognizing great and understanding that um they could each learn from each other in a way to kind of build their own. Cause I mean, you look at two guys that just mental willpower kind of are just the best mental players in their own perspective sport. I think it's Kobe in basketball and it's obviously tiger in golf. Um, so yeah, I think uh, you're spot on making that comparison. Yeah. So for sure. For sure, guys. I hope you guys enjoy and get to watch some golf this weekend. I know it's not looking kind of great weather-wise for us up here on the East Coast. Uh, I don't know what you're looking like down there in Georgia, Logue, but uh, it looks like prime golf watching weather for us here. Yeah, should be great a low, to watch. Not so much to play. Friday night, a low of 15. Ah, yeah. In Jersey. Yeah, the Eastern <laughs> Shore is looking like 19, so it ain't too much better. So, guys... 
bunker down, you know, get, get your chips and dip, whatever you might uh, like to feed on and just sit back and enjoy some really good golf from an awesome venue out there at the Genesis and Riviera Country Club. Um, that's pretty much it from us. I, I would like to thank our sponsors before we get into the, uh, into the episode here with Pat Webster, uh, shout out to saltwater swag at saltwater swag MD on Instagram, uh, for pumping out all these awesome shirts and all of our merch. Um, she's just a wonderful person to work with. And if you guys need any kind of custom, whether it's t-shirts, polos, hats, logos, on any kind of apparel, really, just uh, reach out to her. She can do some awesome work for you guys. And uh, also, shout out to our newest podcast sponsor, uh, Slope Grade. Jeff Mosini from Slope Grade is um, a kind, kind enough to jump on with us and be an awesome uh, contributor to this podcast. We met him down at the show in Orlando, um, debuting his awesome product, as I said, Slope Grade. So really appreciate his contribution to the podcast and we look forward to working with him in the future. Um, if you haven't caught his episode, go back and listen to our episode where we interview him and tell his story of why he got into the game and what made him come upon his newest product, Slope Grade. Um, in that episode, he does mention that all Enjoy the Walk listeners, if you in, enter Enjoy the Walk at checkout for Slope Grade, will get 10% off. So please go check out Slope Grade, www.slopegrade.com. That's S-L-O-P-E-G-R-A-I-D-E.com. Enter Enjoy the Walk at checkout and get 10% off. So guys, that's our sponsors. We're really, really appreciative of all their support and all of your support. So without further ado, let's get into our interview with the bagger at bagger underscore 24, Pat Webster. Welcome back to the Enjoy the Walk podcast, guys. Pretty sweet episode this week. Kicking it on the caddy theme this week, guys. Tuesday, we had, uh, you know, the golf hawk uh, caddy out in the west coast so we're bringing you some east coast swag this week from uh down in the land of uh i don't know hidden valley would you say down in the north carolina pinehurst area uh pat webster or as the guys know out in that instagram life the bagger bagger 24 man thanks for joining us this week how's it going uh dude fellas my pleasure thanks for having me on no doubt, man. So, I mean, right off the bat, I got to ask you, how's the Pinehurst life and, and what the hell brought you to being a caddy at one of the most prestigious resorts in the country? Man, it, it's honestly, it's crazy story, dude. Honestly, like I actually started in the dark side. I was the manager sort of things. I was trying to be <laughs> the guy kind of behind the scenes in the office uh, and found out real quick that just prior military service, just who I am naturally that I was not meant to be in an office and uh, I just got naturally the ability to get along with people from around the world, man. And then, uh, before you knew it, man, I, I, I wound up back in North Carolina, back in Pinehurst, man, my family's all from here. So it made sense, you know, raising my son with my fiance and everything. It just made sense dude. in Pinehurst. I mean, it's, it's unreal, man. I mean, we got a, a pretty great gig out here. I can't really lie. Um, yeah, there's no doubt about that from what we see you post and, and other guys, you know, kind of in your area, us guys up here in the Northeast struggling with this cold weather are always, uh, jonesing to get out when we see you guys playing just about every day and, you know, D December and January and February. Oh, 
<laughs> yeah, it's awesome. Hey, I got to throw a big shout out. You know, my, my, my fellow Maryland boy, Salisbury, you know, that kind of yeah, that hey, tie there. Repping hey. that Maryland flag for those YouTube watchers. You, you got to rep it, that Salisbury, Maryland life. <laughs> hey, I, I ain't going to lie. But I don't miss that, that that weather up there. That's that's a fact. Yeah, now it's a little southern for me. And, and I know Isaiah and I grew up in southern Pennsylvania. So it's it's south for me comparably to where I grew up, but not near south enough. That's for yeah. sure. <laughs> so yeah, let's. Uh, you you mentioned a little bit there your your prior military. Uh, what branch of military did you serve in, and and how long ago was that? And you know, did that take you anywhere? Um, you know, within other places in the country, other than North Carolina. Oh man, honestly, that's about ninety percent why I joined really, and I was in the Marine Corps. Um, and yeah, I, I honestly spent uh, that was from what oh eight till about. 2012 ish and i was in okinawa mostly the whole time man it was a blast you name a country in asia i've been there um my soul might be a little there a little bit who knows uh but it was a blast man i just got to go all over um you know i, I had the opportunity to just meet just any culture you could possibly want that is just unreal and for me i love asian food and culture and sushi so it made sense yeah, that's awesome. I got a uh, I got a future brother-in-law that's actually in the Marine Corps now. He's stationed in Okinawa. He'll be there for another couple three years. Um, I'm praying for him. Yeah, he's. I hope he doesn't get coronavirus or, or any of that nonsense. Uh, Jacob, I hope you stay safe over there. But uh, in your time there, what was your uh, say a favorite restaurant or place to stop in? I know you mentioned you know sushi being great. Yeah. Oh yeah. All right. So yeah, man. I mean, anybody who ever whether the military or not. Um, Okinawa is known for mostly the like curry, their, their cocoa ichibans, what it's called. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, that honestly, it was not my thing. Me, it was all about the taco cheese and rice. Mm. There's this little spot and it's called Kintown. It's right outside the base of Camp Hansen on Okinawa. Mm-hmm. And that's a Marine Corps base. And it is honestly like at like two in the morning, coming back from the bars with the boys, <laughs> you stop in and you get this, you get four tacos and then you get this whole thing of taco cheese and rice. And it's just this massive layer of just rice the, the heaviest, greasiest hamburger you possibly think of, mm. lettuce, cheese. I mean, it's, and then it's like sriracha sauce. But Some I'm telling soul you, food right there. Oh, I'm trying to tell you, boy. <laughs> like, and then the, the best part about it, you wake up at like 5.30, 6 o'clock for PT. That thing right in the microwave right before PT, you're good to go. <laughs> I think you touched a piece of Isaiah's heart there. You said hamburger, cheeseburger, what it may be. And yeah. that's, that's what that boy loves to eat. Check out my hey, feed right there. Lover yeah, of burgers. Sir. There it is. <laughs> Love it. That's awesome. And I, it's so cool because, like, we, I have so many friends that have, you know, passed military, whatever, and they always talk about the amazing, you know, not only culture, but cuisine of like the, the foreign countries that they get to go and like spend time in, you know, obviously protecting us men and women here back at home, but like you do get some free time to, to explore that kind of, you know, scene out there. And, and it's always from what I hear, just such an amazing experience that is always a part of you after you come back. It really is, man. And I mean, I'll be honest, like it was a hundred miles an hour the entire time I was there. But when we did have time off, I mean, you name it, we went places, I mean, to the Okinawa Aquarium, which has like the biggest underwater aquarium in the world. And it's hmm. unreal. I mean, and you look at it, it's an entire like humpback whale in this aquarium. <laughs> you know, this is crazy. And then we'll go to like the pineapple factory where it's like this big pineapple factory where they got like 200 kinds of like pineapple and like exotic wines, stuff like that. It's just a big old tour. Like there's so much to do and you really find time and it definitely makes you appreciate the little things. I'll promise you that. Like just mm-hmm. being away from, Something as simple as just, you know, walk outside your house and drive to 
you know, a wah-wah at your thing or, yeah. you know, just the mm. simple things, man. It's just you miss them and you, you take it for granted when you're, you're away for that long and especially away from your family. You really take everything for granted and it kind of puts it into perspective when you get back. And it's like, for me, especially like prior to the military and stuff like that, I really wasn't a family man. I was kind of my own thing, trying to make my own legacy, I guess. And uh, when I got back, man, I just really had this urge to kind of let my family know that, hey, you know, I appreciate you and, you know, it was... I never showed it when I was away, but you know, you know, getting back was the most important thing to to me. And like, now that I'm here, like, I want y'all to understand that, like, you know, it, it's it's easier now to tell you than it was when I was gone. You know what I mean? Sure. Mm -hmm. I mean, yeah, perspective is everything, and it hits everyone a little differently. You know, whether Agreed. it's a, a life happening or, or you know, you got to go away and and serve your time or what it may be. Everyone, I feel like, has had that point in their lives where they're like, damn, you know, like. I really need to appreciate just a little more of what I really do got because, you know, things could be a lot worse or, you know, uh, I'm really blessed with what I do have. So um, I think everyone can relate to that in their own, you know, way, shape or form, however it I may agree. be. 100%. Yeah. So now did you get to play any golf while you were over there? Like when did you become kind of an avid golfer? Was it after you got back or as you were in the military or even before? I mean, I play, I started playing when I was 13. Um, me and my buddy Cody, um, we started playing, you know, off and on with our dad and stuff, but never took it serious. I left, and he got he got real good, obviously. He was always a natural act, act for it. And uh, I didn't play any when I was over in Japan, which is crazy because now that I'm, like, so into this game <laughs> and how much I love it, I'm like, oh, my gosh, I could have got some euros for a dirt cheap, or I could have done this, and I could have went here. And I will say, though, when I was in Singapore, um, this is actually right before, I want to say, um, when that's that, you know, that natural disaster, the tsunami hit the reactors in Japan. I was actually there for that. Prior to that, we were in Singapore. And uh, that was, I believe, the last year, or the second to last year, the Singapore Open was played out there. Mm. And I went to that, and I think the Tiger was in that field, and there was a couple other guys, and it was unreal. And that was, like, about a year prior to me getting out, and that was, like, the second I was like, all right, it's time. So I started pre-ordering golf clubs. I started having them sent home to my parents' house. I'm like, hey, just put these – in the shed i found a good deal on and just leave it there <laughs> so by the time i got back to the states i had a full set of clubs a bag everything <laughs> it was ready to hit, go, hit, the, hit the ground running so the bug the bug hits you just about when you were out and you were you were hitting the ground running like you said when you were when you were on the feet uh back in the states ready to ready to roll no doubt and that's awesome that's so yep. cool now and we it's, it's funny to us too because i think you know Dante picked it up a little later, but Isaiah and I maybe even take it for granted a little bit that we've been playing for so long because, you know, we both picked the game up pretty young, but it always fascinates me to hear how people get into the game at a later age or like really get into it seriously, you know, because like those, that creates the best stories. Like for, you know, for most people, people that pick it up young it's like oh well my dad taught me or my you know my yeah. grandfather taught me but then like you know in your case or whatever it may be it's always like the most intriguing stories the people that pick it up later in life because like something either drastic happened or somebody just handed them a club and said come on man you're coming and playing with me and and they just they just catch a little bug and that's all it takes with this game to to really become an addict yeah i'll have to i'll have to agree with you on that one because pat i was I, kind of the same thing it wasn't until about you know, I had a club in my hand about nine years old, but I would just play here and there with my dad. And then, mm -hmm. you know, I did camps too. And honestly, I think when I was about in between 11 and 13, that was when I swung it best because I did play one junior tournament and I used to hit the ball dead straight. And until I, with my, when I had the set of junior clubs until my dad was like, here, why don't you take, 
take this, you know, full set. But it wasn't until about maybe five years ago is when I really got into it. And basically, I'm, I'm addicted, I guess you could say. No, but I mean, it, we all know that. Yeah, yeah exactly. Now, now, Dante, I got to yeah. stop for a second. That's the first time I ever heard you ever played a junior event. You yeah. Tell I, me a little more yeah. about that real quick. So holding out. The, the <laughs> only thing I – so it's, it's very, very foggy from what I remember because mm-hmm. it was actually when – I think when I lived in Virginia at the time. You know, I lived right outside of Manassas, Virginia, um, you know, like the northern peak right there. And there was this nine-hole course that I used to take lessons – or I did camps all the time. And the only thing I remember is I did play an event and I guess, you know, I guess I saw a video of Tiger Woods, you know, and he was in the rough and I guess he was just coming up and down just to kind of like really assess and really figure out what kind of shot he was going to play. Cause he was in the rough and I, and I remember I was in the rough too. And I'm, I was basically, you know, golf idols here in a way you know, trying to copy exactly what Tiger Woods was doing. As like, we all did as kids growing up. Yeah, so no goofy me is um, um, I have the club ground and I put it in front of the ball, behind the ball, and then I'm like messing around with the ball and I moved it a few times and I had no idea. <laughs> and then I swung and hit it. And then the guy who was walking with us to make sure that, you know, we're keeping up with pace and, you know, making making sure our integrity was, you know, on, on pace. And I guess he came up to me as ah, ah. You know, it's it's just a junior event. You know, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna, you know, penalize you, but you're not supposed to do that. And man, did my heart just sink down to my stomach. If someone would have so came up nervous. to Patrick Reed when he was a junior player and only told him the same thing. Yeah. So yeah, that's that's my story. That's what I remember. Yeah, it, it's very foggy. I had to ask. I never knew you played junior yeah. golf, so that, that was uh, that was interesting enough. Yeah, but it's crazy because sometimes you think, "Dang, man." where would I be if I continued that? But then again, I wouldn't be here today where I'm at with no the doubt. game. Cause you never know. I could have played from nine, 10, 11, all the way up until now, or even up to college and just be completely burned out. And then I said, mm-hmm. you know, I, I had it with this game. I'm done. Dude, that's, that's honestly like, that's one thing. So I, uh, I was a first tee and still dabbling for it being a first tee coach. Um, up in uh, Tanglewood, uh, it's a golf course mm-hmm. up in uh, Clemens, North Carolina. Mm-hmm. And I'll be honest, man, even in my time in caddy and during like U.S. teens and U.S. kids world and stuff, I see it so much, man. It's like these kids love this game, but by the time they're 8, 9, 10, 12, 15 years old, they are so done and burnt out because these parents are so aggressive and expecting them to be pro by the time they're 12. <laughs> and if they're not progressing like every other kid, then – you know, they dump thousands of dollars into, you know, lessons and, and just burning these kids out, man. And that's, again, for me, I always tell anybody, hey, like, let them have fun. When they come to you, the first time your kid comes to you, said, hey, hey, you know, mommy, daddy, I want, will you take me to the range? That's when you know that kid is ready to accept the responsibility it takes to be good at this game. Yeah, because they, 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 jump that, they jumpstart that initiative to do it yep. on their own. Because yeah. that's what it takes at the end of the day. The, the, there's no secret that this game is a very grueling game when it, when it comes to getting really good professionally. Um, so, I mean, it's just hours and hours of work. And I think it's for any game, really. And um, it, it, I see it, whether it's golf or baseball or whatever you, you know, kids on travel teams, whatever sport it is, it's so easy to get burnt out if you, let, if you push kids into one sport 
solely. I'm a firm believer of just like the old school way of just play as many sports as you want. You know, just be an athlete at the end of the day and just have fun playing sports. And then, you know, you get to that high school level and you say, wow, I'm, I'm doing maybe one or two better than the rest. Then, you know, creep into specializing maybe. But, you know, exactly. as a seven or eight-year-old man, just let the kids play. <laughs> let them yeah. have fun. Yeah, I, mean, I, I agree, but, man. It, it confuses me too because you have all these sports analysts saying, and then you see all these, like, top athletes, you know, and they were all multi-sport athletes when they were mm. growing up. Yet, for these kids who want to be able to play in college and, and have dreams of playing in the pros – you know, their organizations are telling them, well, you have to do this 365, 24-7 in order to get there. But then you got analysts saying, play three, be a tri, uh, tri-sport athlete. Yeah. Confuses the hell out of me. Yeah. Mm-hmm. A, a or B, there's no in-between, right? Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Now, you mentioned a little bit there, which I'd love to get more into. You said you caddied at some, like, U.S. kids and stuff like that. Um, you know, what brought you into being a caddy, doing it full-time, and, and what are some, you know, big events that you've been able to do on the caddy side of things? Man, honestly, again, it was just – I have an act for just talking to people. Um, that's the biggest thing for me as a caddy is – I don't need to know everything. You know what I mean? I just, I need to make sure they understand that, Hey, I know you as a golfer and as a person, I've, I've gotten to the point now where I, I know how to talk to you about your swing and not make you think that I expect you to make this perfect swing every single time. Like you're a tour player. Um, every single player in this world is different, man. So you always got to figure that out first and foremost. Um, and then as far as like event wise, I mean, for me, I see I've, you know, the, obviously every year I get hop in the uh, men's and women's North South. It's one of the oldest amateur tournaments in the history of really amateur golf. Um, and it's, it's a lot of fun. You meet a lot of good players. Um, you actually see them to go on to, to do the thing and bigger events, which is pretty cool. Um, I personally, I absolutely love the U.S. kids and U.S. teens, honestly, man. Like you will get a mixed bag of answers if you ask 10 different caddies. I can guarantee you about 90% of those will say that they will avoid that at all costs. Uh, for me though, I just, I connect well with kids, especially on a golf course. I, I have a very inviting smile. I think when it comes to, you know, being on the golf course and I know how to approach a kid when they make a bad shot and not make them feel like I expect better of them. Um, I know how to have a good relationship with their parents, which I think is a big key role when it comes to playing and, and especially those tournament style courses and, and events stuff like that um and honestly as far as my favorite that i've carried in i would say the crew cup i think you all know <laughs> that like the highlight of my year this past year was caddying for jason kidd um it was ask any caddy that was in that event we carried one bag that was a vessel golf bag which i say they are highly underrated mm-hmm. um and it was honestly just a great event, man. We, we, we just walked around here with these, you know, guys who you would think are just, you know, natural celebrities, but they're amazing people, man. They're great human beings. They're down to earth. I mean, it's unreal. We just had a great week of golf, and, and it was honestly a week that none of us will forget. That's awesome. Now it's, it's funny, a little point you, you, you touched on there with like the kids golf, it's the parents. And I feel like that's a reason a lot of people either get out of coaching or, or, you know, get out of helping their kids come up is because of other parents in the, in the industry. So it takes a special person to be able to deal with not only the kid and the parent at the same time, especially in what we all know as junior golf is a very, you know, 
ever since Tiger came through, it's a very kind of regimented, you know, high pressure tournament, especially when you get to this U.S. kids level and these high end events. So um, it does take a, a special kind of person to kind of just let the kid know, hey, you know, I don't care if you shoot 68 or 98 today. I'm going to talk to you like I'm a, you're my friend and exactly yet deal with the parents on the whole other level of like, you know, let me do my work. Let me help your kids succeed. And, you know, we'll work best together. Not, you know, as a, as differences, you know? So it's, it's funny you even say that. So actually not this past year, but the year before that, um, I was out practice rounds with my player at the time. Um, and she was a, great players just we were out doing practice rounds with random players and i i guess just from the way i approached my player and the other players in the group and i interacted and the way i you know i guess handled my my job and my duties as a cat or caddy um we were actually in the middle of this torrential downpour it was the final round actually ended up getting canceled because it had been raining all day the golf courses were all underwater um there was hundreds and hundreds of kids and families and caddies and golf everybody just out in front of the um main resort in pinehurst and i happened to just one of the guys one of the parents that i was in the practice round with came up to me he's like hey you know i want to introduce myself uh you know such and such um i just want to say that you are one of the best caddies i've ever encountered as far as when it comes to being out here with these kids like it's truly impressive how you have managed to just keep their mind off of golf and uh, he was like, and my, my, you know, right now my daughter, this is her last year in U.S. kids. Next year she was going to U.S. teens. And usually I caddy for her, but I'm honest, going to be honest with you, I've realized that I can't do that. Mm-hmm. And which is, at least he, um, that's the first step. So that was all. It's huge. I and Isaiah and I know that from, yeah. you know, our fathers always caddy for us as kids. Um, and it, it's, a, it, it's almost like a, it's a tough conversation for the kid to have, one. And a tough conversation for anyone around the parent kid combo to have and tell them, Hey, maybe you guys aren't the best combo together. Maybe Mm -hmm. you should try. Cause you don't want to sound offensive. And from the kid, it's like, man, I really don't want to offend my dad. You know, maybe I I want something else, but you know, he got me into this game. So damn it. I owe it to him. You know, exactly. (laughs) That's exactly what it is, man. It's obligation. Yep. Mm Kind of reminds me of uh, on the pro level, uh, Xander Shoffley and his dad. I believe they butted heads when he carried his bag and he's just like, you know what? You're done. You're done. We can't, we can't do this. <laughs> See, now I almost understand it from a pro level. You're out there to make your yeah. living. So that's an easier conversation than a kid that really has nothing riding on them to know, you know, and, and like everything riding on the, well, he's my dad. So it's, um, it, it's really, it's an interesting dichotomy for anyone who's really never been around junior golf. I, I, you know, I'd almost encourage you to go out and watch these kids play. They're insanely impressive it for really as young is. as they are, especially nowadays. But I know they don't realize a lot. it. That's the beauty of it. No, they just they have don't so much fun. It's so authentic. It's so authentic for them too. They're just so in it in the moment. You want to talk about like golfers being in the moment. It's kids golf. It really is. <laughs> no, and, and it's it's so cool. And and Isaiah and I both, as you talked about as well with your interactions at the first tee, we've done some, you know, junior PGA coaching um, in our past. And, and just to see those kids, you know, get out there and enjoy it. And maybe you have four or five of them that are good enough to, you know, compete. But the other half are, are just kind of out there for the love of it. And it's just awesome to see kids smiling and enjoying the game at that young of an age because that's where it all starts for a majority of people who play it for a lifetime that and little players like tyler tyler fortney um, yeah. dave gladhill's little prodigy there's something really special to be said for 
you know, kids that have that natural ability. And like you said, they, they're able to go out and hit those shots that just fully represent the authenticity of the game. They're completely unaware of the skill set that they have. Their, their brains aren't polluted with, you know, the money that could be involved or, or, you know, expectation. yeah, or exactly. the expectations. Yeah. It's, it's awesome to see the game just being played as a game instead of, you know, something more that it wasn't ever really meant to be. So it, it's great to hear you, um, say that you love working with the kids, but I know on your profile, it also says that you're aspiring to, aspiring to be a professional caddy on tour. Uh, I can tell you in my experience, there's caddies that wait in parking lots every week at every corn ferry event. Is that yep. something you've ever done? Have you ever gone that route? Well, that's something that we, me and her have talked a lot about because I'm, I'm completely aware of that grind that it goes through, mm -hmm. especially when it comes to that. And I've honestly actually had a couple offers um, as far as just being from Pinehurst, caddying at Pinehurst and my, my kind of connections in the, in the golf industry since I've hopped into it. Um, it's just obviously it wasn't the right time. You know, it, I remember the first time I got offered, um, it was actually with, uh, um, I want to believe her name was Christina Tucker, um, married to Paul Tucker. He played golf, I believe, mm -hmm. with uh, uh, Kevin Struman over at Duke. Yep. And at the time, though, my son had just been born. You know, I was just in, getting into the caddy. And so per, in me, in my own eyes, I didn't think that I was – I hadn't – validated that I was tour caddy worthy at all by any means you know what I mean I didn't feel my skill set was up to that kind of standards in my opinion um you know but obviously they did um but again it wasn't the right time in my life um but it's definitely something that if it happens when it happens it's, it's I'm there it's gonna happen you know what I mean right. it's um it's not something that hey if it doesn't happen you know what my life's a failure Mm -hmm. um you know that's not the way i look at anything for that matter especially right. when it comes to that but there's definitely it's there it's in the forefront you know um i've got some obviously some things that i've been working on that you guys know about that is happening now so that is obviously the top of the priority list but once things kind of get smoothed out with that it's on mm. Yeah, that's awesome. I mean, it, we've, there's so many ways and we've even, you know, before we got on the podcast here, Isaiah and I were talking a little bit about just kind of the grind it takes to be a pro alone from being a caddy. And there's so many ways to attack being a pro as well, whether it's, you know, the Latin America tour, the corn Ferry tour, the Canadian tour, some mini tours to get exemptions into the corn Ferry tour. There's so many ways to go about, you know, there's not one track to being a pro and it, and obviously by the way you know the stories have gone and the way people talk about the caddying industry there's millions of ways to be a tour caddy too whether it's through connections through knowing someone you know if your junior golfers end up being a really good you know player and end up getting to the pro ranks or you, whatever you may have it there's so many ways to get there um, and I think that's half the fun about it is just not knowing where the opportunity could come from but kind of always chasing it exactly man i mean i like i said i've the last you know two or three four years i've caddied anywhere from maybe one of the top 20 to 30 like you know college golfers or one of the top 20 to 30 junior golfers um you know the girl that i caddy for in the u.s team she's one of the top ranked you know junior golfers in florida um i think if she keeps at it and keeps doing her thing she is going to be an amazing player and will hands down have no problem making this lpga tour sure yeah. And I mean, it's just, uh, it, it's something like, you, you know, you just got to wait and see, but it's, 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 it's exactly. the excitement of all of it. Of, of, Agreed. Uh, and there's so much potential out there that uh, there's always an option, but uh, aside from caddying those kind of events, how many rounds would you say you like typically get in annually at Pinehurst? Um, annual, I mean, 
easily over 200. That's that's a no-brainer. Um, I would say so. Last year, I think I touched, I want to say roughly like 235, um, somewhere in there, uh, and that was that was my most to date as far as in a year. Um, but I, this year, I gosh, I should easily touch 250 or more. Um, and especially at Pinehurst, I think one of our leading loop uh, counters was like 286, something like that. Yeah, man. Is that double bag or single bag? Grind. It, it's it's everything. It's a mixture. So I mean, mostly all double bags. Oh. Do you got I some? Mean, you got some? You got some beefy shoulders or what? Oh yeah, <laughs> man. I, I got that Marine Corps back, bro. We do pull-ups. We carry yeah. eighty-pound rocks. There ain't nothing gonna break this back. Prerequisite, prerequisite of all caddy rooms just added Marine Corps to their application. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that would not get – we would not get any work done, man. Don't do that. Oh, that's funny. No, that's crazy. And, and you know, we were looking at some, some, you know, numbers and stuff before we got on here. And something that just blew my mind, and I think a lot of people maybe don't know because they always just think of Pinehurst number two, and they kind of stop there. But Pinehurst actually has nine courses on the property – and then the new cradle course that they just, you know, finished up within the last 12 to 14 months, whatever. What is your favorite walk around Pinehurst other than number two? Cause I know number two has such the storied history, you know, that I think we should, we always want to shine light on, you know, the underdog in this podcast. So like other than number two, what is your favorite walk around Pinehurst? Okay. Since so obviously you took number two away and I promise you every loop with me, you'll get some history you don't get on the videos. <laughs> so just a little note there, boys. But uh, outside number two, man, that's tough. Uh, as far as caddying, is that what you're asking? I think overall, just, you know, whether you're playing it or, or playing. caddying, just overall favorite walk around Pinehurst. I'm going to keep it honest, man. It's got to give me a course three as far as when it just comes to just any day of the week, I don't matter. It doesn't matter what the weather's like, whether it be me and the boys just going out and walking number three. It's a par 68. It's like a mini number two. It, the greens are out of this world. It's one of the coolest little short, short courses you'll ever play. Um, and then as far as definitely looping, man, it's got to be four. Uh, course four is unreal, especially since the, the, the new restoration by Gil Hans. It's – you just got to be – you know, you got to see it to believe it. I, I can talk days and days about four and, and the, the, the improvements they made and the shots you can hit into there from all over the golf course and the green complexes and just the routing and – just all of his mindset kind of behind it. Um, I've had the, the honestly the, the luxury of, of caddying in his group before and um, hearing his kind of from his own, you know, ideas and his mindset throughout designing the golf course. So for me that every time I go around the golf course with my players, I always regurgitate that. I literally just the whole time, Hey, you know, when I was looking for Gil Hans, he was telling me on why he decided to do this versus this. And, you know, this is his, his idea of on why he did this hole like this and, the rounding is because of his idea on this, you know, it's just, it really is a lot of fun. And that golf course is unreal. There's spots on that course where you can see 12 holes. It's just a golf epicenter. That's crazy. And I think it's so like such a miss, uh, miss, not misinterpreted, but just kind of misunderstood part of golf that it's like so commercialized is people forget that like architects actually designed this course to be played a certain way or like for shots to have looks from this angle or from that angle. And that's why there's collection areas here in the fairway or, you know, that's why balls run off a slope into a certain spot because 
the architects want you to play that hole a certain way and it's designed to challenge you in a specific manner and like to to be able from your end of things to be able to caddy and just to be able to be in the ears of people and say well you know gil said to hit it here so i mean yeah. it's just that's that's a pretty neat scenario and i think you know whether it's you know gil or whether it's donald ross on the on number three at pinehurst there's those guys are just absolute legends in their own right and to be able to like have that insider information has got to be just one of a kind when you yourself is walking through these courses hole by hole. It's so much fun, man, especially when like you're got an approach shot into a green and the, your player has zero confidence. You're like, listen to me, trust me. If you just hit that on that left edge of that green, it's going to be inside 10 feet of that flag and the flags in the back, right? Or something <laughs> just absurd, you know? And then they hit this, Decent shot, they're like, oh, my gosh. You know, they're disappointed in it, and I'm just smiling, cheesing, and I just, here you go, why don't you hold this, give them a putter about 160 yards out, I'll meet you at the green. And they get up there, it's like 10, 12 feet from the pin, and they look at me with their eyes just like, oh, my gosh. Like, just bewildered that it actually you're, you're worked. You're all right, Pat. Yeah. Like, you are a good caddy. <laughs> That's really funny. We, we had the same thing on Tuesday's episode with Ben Peters. He caddies out in the West Coast, and he said he had a lot of his players kind of the same deal. He's like, listen, bro, just listen to me, and I swear I will get you around this place because I've walked every – you know, when you're working or when you're sleeping or whatever you're doing, I'm here. This is what yeah. I do. So exactly. Like, this is, let, me, let me get you around this place. No doubt, yeah, that's, man. That's and awesome. I'll always say it's funny because, like, Obviously, I know the greens and stuff like the back of my hand, but, uh, you know, kudos to this one of the caddies named John Ross. He's like a – he's 80-something years old, dude. He, too, he will only carry two bags. Only. Like, if you give him a single, he will probably give you some choice words. What a um, trooper. He is wow. the man, dude. And if he – honestly, he could be talking to the birds over here in the trees, and he could look at his player and say, two balls, right edge. And that's what it's going to do. He is an absolute just OG. Mm. Wow. Now I saw a, another kind of old looper that I wanted to shine some light on here is actually in your Instagram account, Bobby Hill. Uh, you know, oh, I wanted to give you the platform since, you know, it looked like a really, really great cause for, for the people that are listeners out there to maybe get behind uh, maybe, you know, a little bit about Bobby Hill, his story and, and kind of what he's going through right now. Oh, my pleasure. And before I even jump any further into it, I first off uh, kudos to uh, Matt Janela for him just taking his platform and putting it out there for the world to see, especially the Instagram and the social media world, because he honestly is what started the fire under this whole entire thing. Um, and also taking it back one step before that, a couple of the caddies, uh, you know, we have a couple of caddies, Jamie, and they know who they are. Um, unbelievable guys. They're the ones that set up the account for the GoFundMe and they are the ones who take care of Bobby and go see him on, on a daily basis and, and really have been looking out for him ever since this entire thing started happening. Um, so definitely before I begin, kudos to them guys and thank you for all of their help. Um, but yeah, man, Bobby Hill is just, he's a character, man. I can, I, I've looked at that guy many times. I remember when I first got to Pinehurst, I got thrown on like team 10. So I was just the bottom of the barrel. Um, I wasn't like, a, I was not an like unestablished caddy. I'd been to some pretty prestigious spots, but at Pinehurst, I had no name. And so I would be out on this, on this golf course. And this is obviously a little bit towards the later of Bobby's kind of caddying career. And so he would always come out there and he would take care of the guys who wanted a carton, you know, wanted a single bag or a double bag. But the thing with Bobby is he didn't carry bags. So he always had to have a cart in the fairway. So I'd be out there just humping and it'd be 110 degrees in the middle of July. And I'm just over here double bagging and just dying. And uh, Bobby Hill just be cruising right by me in the cart, just the cheesing at me, just waving to, <laughs> waving to you. You know, obviously he's put in like 60 years of caddy service. So, 
I'm not going to say a word. Might have like, earned those wheels, right? Exactly, right? <laughs> so I'm just walking. I, and, um, and then I would, like, get to a bunk, and he'd be like, don't worry, youngin. I got it for you. And he'd just keep – I'd just, all right, you know, keep on walking. And he'd do his thing. And honestly, you really can't say – he would do anything for any of the caddies for sure. Um, he's been there for a long time. So any, you name – you talk to any Pinehurst caddy, they know guys like Willie and, and Bobby and, and John Ross. Like, you know those names. They are household names. Um, and, and it's just unfortunate, you know, things happen to good people, man. And, and I will say, though, even after all of this, uh, he is a hot caddy in the Caddy Hall of Fame at Pinehurst, um, which is any caddy will tip the cap to that. That is something that you really you solidify yourself as a caddy at Pinehurst when you make it to the Hall of Fame. Um, and But through it all, he is just spirits up, man. Um, just, you know, just talking to Jamie and some of the guys who have been looking after him and, and keeping in contact with him. His his spirits are up. Uh, he loves hearing about how much everybody is, you know, rooting for him. And he loves hearing the fact that, you know, just all the all the help that Machinella has brought to him and some little things like, you know, people have been making him quilts and sending letters and just the little stuff, man. Um, it honestly – and uh, especially when he got, you know, the Hall of Fame, that was something that for him, you know, I'm pretty sure that that trophy or that plaque is probably sitting right beside his bed right now. Um, so I can say nothing but good things about Bobby. Uh, that's that's pretty special and, and you know just for any listener who uh doesn't know what we're talking about you know head on over to uh pat webster's uh instagram at bagger underscore 24 that's b-a-g-g-e-r underscore 24 it's right there in a link in his bio you can find out all the information there and if you guys want to donate to the cause um I, I know it would mean a lot to us as as our fans but it would mean a whole lot more to pat and everybody there uh in the caddy barn down at pinehurst so uh guys go check that out for sure uh it would mean a lot to all of us definitely in the golf industry most definitely thank you yes sir man so moving moving on from that and and getting kind of back into you as a caddy you know your your profile caught my eye originally because of that logo and and i want you maybe to just walk me through how that logo came about and you know I, i feel like i always hear that you know like you said a little bit earlier when you were just starting at pinehurst you you weren't really a household name and whether it's uh, getting the nickname in the barn and then it kind of resonating with everyone that comes to the resort. And um, I, I feel like caddies make their name by getting the nickname and, oh, I want that guy or, you know, whoever it is. So, so how'd the logo come about and did it really feed into your kind of mantra as building yourself as a caddy within the caddy barn? Oh, man. So it's actually kind of funny. So I spent a while trying to just <laughs> – I had this burning idea of where I wanted to start something. I wanted to start a brand. I wanted to start an association with myself. And um, I can't draw, man. I have zero artist abilities. <laughs> I realized that real fast. I can draw like a money sign from like the 1990s. You know, that's about it. <laughs> you know, and I, so I hit up my buddy Cody again. And I was like, hey, dude, whip something up for me. So he starts just drawing some random things. And it came up some good ideas, but they were just kind of like, again, cartoonish. Like we both were kind of like, yeah, we can't really run with this. And uh, so one day I'm just on the 18th hole at Pinehurst and I'm double bagging. It's like a nasty, like February day. It was like the first loop I had all month probably. And um, I was, I looked at my players and said, Hey, will you do me a favor? I've been having this idea for a logo for about a week now. I'm going to be walking up 18th fairway carrying two bags. I want you to get me to walk just from the backside walking up this fairway. He said, of course. So I, you know, I kind of slowed down like, so it wasn't blurry and I walked nice and slow with good posture and everything. And, catches me about five or six photos with a nice good stride and from there I was like oh man like if I can get this turned somehow into like a logo of some sort like it'll work it'll be perfect it's exactly what I wanted and then uh 
my guy Chef over at the Birdie Golf Society. Go check them out. They're awesome. It's at uh, Birdie Golf Society. They're awesome guys. Um, I was like, dude, I know you're, you do your thing with the, with the pen. Can you take this picture I got right here and just make it into some kind of logo, but keep it the way it looks? And, and you know, and I went bagger across the back of it because at the time, the guy that I was caddying for, he's a realtor in Pinehurst. His name is Doug Knoll. Awesome guy. His family are awesome people. But I was like, he, at the time, he just kept calling me bagger all day because he linked, we got linked up on, on Instagram. Yeah. And so it's so funny. Like he will call the caddy shack and be like, you know, can I get bagger please on this and this day? And they'll be like, who? Like my caddy master be like, who is that? And then I'm like, that's me, Chris. Like they refuse to accept the fact that somebody calls me bagger. So it's mm. so funny. Like I'll walk in and then uh, my caddy master be like, hey, bagger, you got a bag. Like, Thanks, man. Appreciate you. He's like, did I, he's like, did I not know your name? <laughs> Thanks for the work. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Nah, that's that's cool, man. And it's it's really funny. And obviously, it, I wasn't the only one whose eye it caught. Uh, I, I saw, you know, a few posts later, Winston actually contacted you. Winston Collection. Those guys were actually working with them right now to get some of our own merch out there. Uh, they make amazing quality leather goods and stuff like that. But they actually contacted you, reached out, and said, "Hey, we want to do some stuff for you." So, what they end up, you know, getting with you and, and producing for you with that with that brand new logo. I'll be honest, man, it kind of blindsided. I mean, to real, like, it almost sounded, you know, when things are too good to be true, that's what it felt like at first. Because uh, <laughs> when I, they contacted me, and was like, you know, hey, hey, Pat, you know, uh, first of all, we want to thank you for your service, um, you know, this and that. And we, we love what you're doing. We love the logo. We would love to send you some things with uh, your, your logo on it. So here I'm thinking, like, okay, cool, man. I'm going to get a towel. Like, I love towels. Caddies love towels. <laughs> um, and next thing I know, I get a box with, a driver head cover, a three-wood head cover, alignment stick covers, and a towel. And I was just, like, blown away, like, because it looks so just awesome. And I was, like, just absolutely impressed. So ever since then, like, I refused to, to buy any head cover, really, from anybody besides them. And then my, and my boys over at Stymie Golf Supply. That is, like, my only two go-tos at all. That's awesome. Now it's uh it's funny to see something that you just you know you always had in your head for so long kind of start to come to fruition and and not only just come to fruition but really kind of explode and and you know from what I can tell it's it's everything you wanted in a logo and, and I think it perfectly represents you know the way you uh the way you lived your life day to day. So I, I, it's and just it, uh, it's really cool to see. And another thing with it too, man, it's not just about myself because I'm not the only one in this in this caddy industry that double bags or has double bags. I can guarantee you about 80%, if not more than that, of the tour players started carrying two bags. And anybody who's been in the golf industry, I feel like, is they just have an appreciation for double baggers, man. It's, it's a different beast sometimes, especially where you're caddying at. Um, I can imagine double bagging like Aaron Hills or something <laughs> crazy like that. Um, that but or again, Chambers just, Bay or some yeah, someplace like that. You know, it's kind of my nod, it's kind of my nod to to all my boys, all my loopers, all my double baggers across the country and the world, man. It's you know we're brotherhood, man. It's something that I think any any looper can say the same thing. Good Lord. And I think, you know, I think the world was made, uh, made apparent of that with the, you know, the golf channels feature on, you know, the looper film, uh, just last night or uh, two nights ago. I mean, what a, what a great representation of just kind of, like you said, the, the greater, uh, nation of just loopers out there that, that all can relate to the same representation of just grinding out there and especially in the summer heat, you know, in a lot of the Southern, you know, most of the United States that, do have those resort style courses are warm weather courses. So uh, yeah, big head nod to those guys out there for sure. 
no yeah, doubt. That documentary was sick. I watched it's it so the tight. other It was so sick, dude. I was like, dang. And it was cool because you got – they were interviewing caddies from way back then. They were interviewing caddies from over the pond. And, and, and you can just tell by your personality that, you know, you're just like – you love it and then you fit for the job because you're out there. You're, you're meeting new people and, you know, you're, you're just – you're trying to provide a service and have them have a great time, you know. And, and it just shows right there in your personality that you do that. And it's just sick to see. And it was just kind of cool how even like when they were doing the guys over I, – I think it was uh, Carnoustie or one of, one of the courses over there, like the group of guys, they were just drinking beers on the, on the bench and they were just telling their stories, man. That's like – that's got to be – that's got to be something – I, mean, I, I bet you, you got some pretty sick stories just from, you know, just some customers that just, and some clients that you take out. Oh yeah. You know, we get, we, we got some man. stories, man. Yeah. <laughs> Throw your best I, one I, at I, us. We I, always, I, we'll, I we'll give you some PG 13. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I want my best story. I want, I want your best, you know, out of the blue, non-typical caddy story that just uh, will give us all some laughs around the enjoy the walk podcast. Oh man. So we all know there's always that, that one guy, that one member at the club who always will just play by himself and join the clubs. Right. Um, it's inevitable. Well, there is this notorious guy. There is not a caddy in the, at Pinehurst who's ever looped at Pinehurst who doesn't know his name. Every single time he comes out, he will join a loop, a round, but it, only if that round, that group has a caddy. He will not play with other members. He will only play with a threesome that has caddies in the group. And his favorite thing is to tell the players uh, basically what to tip the caddy. So I'll never forget it, man. One time, I'm, I'm out there with this. It's myself uh, and this old school caddy. And uh, me, I try to be – I'm very good at telling people to kind of, hey – back off without actually telling them to back off i am that's one thing we teach in the core is basically i'll tell somebody to go f themselves actually saying it you know <laughs> so my tact is a grade a um but I, i'll never forget man this old man we're walking down i want to say it was we were walking down 12's fairway so on number two 12's fairway you know the short little par forward little dolly right um slight dolly leg and i'll never forget the guy <laughs> mentioned the gratuity to our players and on 12 you weren't even 12. halfway through the back nine no no oh. we i mean it, it was and, and obviously our players it was a request so we already knew what we were getting there was no gray areas there for us yeah and and it was definitely not even like a like a like three quarters of what the guy told him to give us and this this whole man looks at him and i will keep this as pg as i can he said I know you're a member, but don't ever, ever look at my player and say another effing word about money again. He's like, these guys give me $250 a player, and you just told them to give me 45 bucks a piece. He's like, you have – he just let into this guy. Let, I'm, for the, I'm talking like I think he finally stopped talking to this player on 14th fairway. And it started on 12th. Start on 12 fairway. Um, and that's a, that's a great A ass chewing right there. Needless <laughs> to say, the member actually ended up leaving, I think, at the end of the 14th hole. 
So we played the last three holes, four holes without that member. And I kid you not, we have never laughed so hard in our life. Like I could not, like when I was done, like my cheeks were just sore because this, it was hysterical. Like if I, I wish at the time, like I was like in the right mindset to record this entire interaction. Cause like, it's something that honestly is just probably the most like, f-bombs you probably ever heard in a matter of like two holes span <laughs> like you can make it you make a 12 on three straight holes and you probably wouldn't say that many f-bombs i don't i don't think you've played with me yet <laughs> <laughs> like i said like i said is that's how excessive <laughs> that's crazy yeah it, it's one thing to like i mean like you said and i think a lot of people don't know maybe within the industry that are uh that aren't consistently taking caddies or, or, you know, knowing how that gratuity works. But like most of the time it's set up within the resort, if I'm not mistaken. So it's already like a predetermined amount. Like they're not expected to, if they want to tip you over a predetermined amount, then okay, great. But it's not something that's like going way up and above, you know, an extra unseen charge. Yeah. It's Honestly, let's, go, let's not get it twisted up. For anybody who takes a caddy, do not expect to give your caddy. You don't have to give your caddy 250 every time. Like, that is that is something that is from an established relationship, and that is something that, you know, I mean, they – it's an established relationship, okay? Um, my thing, I think the biggest misconception when it comes to tipping caddies is players just need to understand – just look at the effort or look at the – I'm, I'm a firm believer in if the minimum minimum gratuity for a caddy is 45 bucks, you start there. I am a firm believer in that. You start there. All right. You start there and let that caddy show you what he can do. Let him earn that hundred dollar tip. You know, let him earn that 120 or whatever, 60, whatever, whatever more, whatever you just, whatever you feel like is obviously acceptable. Um, but I'm a firm believer, man. Like, when I'm out there and I'm looping, I take my job serious. I have fun with it, but I also am very attentive to my players. I make sure they have the greatest time possible. I have a little higher expectations of my, when I'm out there and when I get tip and stuff like that just because I know I put forth that extra effort for my players. If I don't do my job, I don't expect a, a tip that's, that's excessive. I expect the bare minimum tip, as anybody should. And I feel like people – who come play golf, they're like, oh, man, like, if I don't give my caddy 100 bucks, like, he's going to think I'm a terrible player. Like, no, that's not the case. You should expect – you and your caddy should be on the same page. I think there should always be a great conversation between your player and your caddy at some point during the round. It doesn't have to be off the bat or at the end. some point, like, hey, Pat, you know, uh, what would be a good tip for a caddy? And I would hope that a caddy wouldn't be a greedy, you know, POS and, and give him the right answer and, the you know – like the answer I just gave you where I look, man, you know, the minimum is 40 bucks. The way I look at it is you tip me based off on how well I do today. And if that, and if my services, you know, they, if they equal the, where you think that I deserve a hundred bucks or more then Hey, I will gladly take that. But if they're not, I'm not going to look at you and tell you, Hey, give me more money. You know, so as long as you get, no, there's no card in the back of your pocket, foot wedge, $2, uh, you know, pin behind the you know, pin behind the hole, $5. <laughs> I, I, I'll tell you one thing. I am a firm believer. If you walk slow enough, that ball will be good every time you get there, baby. <laughs> I love that. That resort golf lifestyle, baby. 
Yeah, you got to take care of them high handicappers, right? Buddy, you do. You carry a nice uh, <laughs> pencil with an eraser behind behind your ear. <laughs> That's a big anti-no-no. I do not keep score. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, those, those guys are out there to enjoy yeah, every inch absolutely. of what Pinehurst is. They For not sure. the score at the end of the day. No That's doubt about it. That's all I care about, man. Um, and you, you and I, I've all, I'm, I find more so than not, I can guarantee, I can shave at least ten strokes off my players round more than what he could have ever imagined. If we don't even look at the scoreboard or skip the scoreboard. Yeah. And you know what? To go off of that too, because I've never played with a caddy and I would love to just to have that experience. Cause I, I mean, we enjoy the walk. We walk every chance we get, you know, mm-hmm. I just, one day I just want to play a course without the bag on my back, you know, and just have someone to help guide me. Because when I go on golf trips with buddies of mine, I shoot maybe 10 strokes higher than I normally do <laughs> in my home course. Cause I don't yeah. know the track, you know, and, and I'm out there because I, I'll, I'll admit it, I'll put pressure on myself because, you know, I'm paying this X amount of dollars to go out exactly. to this to this prestigious course and this well-manicured course and in hopes to also play well. Well, golf's hard enough as it is. So being able to have someone by your side to help you navigate so you can take that extra time to take it in and actually be there rather than... You know, there's times I've I've ruined trips because, you know, I, I got so in my head over how bad I was playing rather than rather than just taking in the moment of where I was at. You know, oh, and, exactly. And, and that's just all, I just I need to cross that off my bucket list. Soon. And I will bounce right off that. And I'll tell you right now, like any player I've ever had, the same thing. You do want to come there. And if you're going to a resort play, place that's got caddies, you're not there to lay up, boss. I got my, I carry my no laying up towel every single loop. And every time somebody's like, should we lay up pack? I was like, man, you see my towel? Did you pay <laughs> however many dollars to come out here and play Pioneer Summer 2 to lay up on a par five? If so, I'll hand my bag over to somebody else because um, I don't want that player on my shoulders. Yeah, shout out to <laughs> our guys over there at the No Laying Up podcast, man. They, uh, they've created a mentality that I think is so true. And it's like Dante said, you're, play, you're paying this much money to go somewhere, have a fun trip. Give it I mean, who a knows? Go. You, Give might, it a you ride. might hit that career shot and it goes in the hole in the hole. You walk away with an it's albatross. It's a story and you never forever. Yeah. Even if it doesn't go in the hole, even if you just make that shot, you tell your buddies 20 years from now, you remember that shot I hit down at Pinehurst? That's where the pros play, man. I got there in two. Like, it's just, it, 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 it's something to make memories. And I think we've talked about it a little bit, you know, on any kind of buddies trip, you're there to make memories. You're exactly. not there to shoot, you know, 62 or, I mean, it'd be awesome. It'd be a hell of a memory. Yeah, throw, of course. Throw a, throw a course record up there. But nine times out of 10, it, it's the little things. It's the shot you stuff to like two feet. It's the putt on 17 to close your buddy out, you know, in a, in a better ball match between your other two, but it's, it's stuff like that that just makes for the lifelong stories. And I think exactly. is, is key as a caddy to kind of help, you know, provide that opportunity for, for it to happen. And when you look at it from, I guess, an outside perspective, if you're going to a resort that has caddies, they're there for most likely a reason. You know, they're not just going to have caddies at your local city course. You know, like if you're going to play golf with the boys at some resort or some golf trip and there's caddies there, to me, in my opinion, obviously I might be a little biased, but it, I, would, I would take caddies. If I'm going – if I got a band in or something like that, I'm going to take a caddy, man. Like that's just facts. Yeah, it was the same way, you know, uh, my, my dad and I were able to go out and play Pebble Beach. Uh, it was a, you know, gift for me as I graduated college. And, and the first thing my dad was like, well, well do you want to take caddies or do you, do you not? I'm like, dad, it's, it's, it's freaking Pebble Beach. Yeah. It would not be the same 
we did not take caddies. Yeah, it like, wouldn't. It's just it, it's such a memorable track like that, and I think I feel like Pinehurst is the same way. No matter what course you're playing, but especially the number two. Exactly. So and four and four. Don't well, forget I was going to say four with that new yeah. redesign as well is just from what I hear on a must play. Yeah, that's so cool. So, now you know outside of caddying, you golf yourself. You know what, what's what's golf life like for you outside of caddying? Do you play? Pinehurst a lot or is there more local tracks in the area that you play maybe more than Pinehurst I would say when I first started at Pinehurst I played a majority of Pinehurst tracks um I would say that was kind of about 80 percent of my rounds now I mean over I mean my whole life I've always been a muni muni kid kind of a muni golf course kind of guy man um I try to find that diamond in the rough that hidden city course that hidden gym um obviously you know top hill it's very close to me and it's a hit in my opinion one of the most underrated hidden gems in North Carolina um, and hands down the most underrated Mike Strantz golf course. Um, but yeah, man, I just, for me, like I now lately I've been hopping around, man. Um, some good tracks outside of the Pinehurst. You can't go wrong with mid pines. I know you guys have seen my content from mid pines. It's a great track classic. I mean, it just speaks for itself. Even the you know, 18th hole alone, people know that just the 18th hole. Um, Southern Pines golf club, another classic Donald Ross. Uh, they actually just got, I think, new ownership, so it's about to be unreal compared to what it is now. Um, uh, we can see what else. Played Pine Needles is another great one. Um, I actually got to play that for the first time, you know, this past year, and that was unreal. Just absolute immaculate shape. The greens are just some of the best greens you ever play on. Um, and then, yeah, man, I, I don't mix it up, man. I try to get all around the area. You know, I go to Charlotte sometimes and play. Um, you know, that's how I kind of went, got into this whole the old bag tour things. I know some of the guys through that. And sure. It's just multiple kind of just – I'm an all-around kind of guy, man. Um, Donald Ross, all... though, that's my heart. What place Donald is that? Ross. Donald, Donald Ross. Donald Ross Golf Courses. Mm -hmm. That's awesome. We talk about it all the time. You know, people think of so much of, like, Myrtle Beach area as, like, the mecca of golf. So we looked it up earlier. There's over 600 golf courses in North Carolina alone. And like, as I saw you doing there, you just started like in, in 20 seconds there, we're just rattling off places so yeah. close to you, not even, you know, in the greater scheme of North Carolina. I think, you know, so many people forget that, yeah, South Carolina is cool for like resort golf, but North Carolina has those hidden gems, man. I would be honest with you, man, if you ask any, I would, I consider people like that purists, uh, they would tell you straight up that Myrtle Beach is beach golf. It's it's not it, it, it's, vacation golf. There you go. It, it's it's not the the golfer's destination. It's the yeah. person who just wants to get away from the family for the weekend and drink with the boys and go party out <laughs> on the bottom beach and play some nice golf courses. That's in my opinion. Um, but it, again, Pinehurst. If it's not just the nine courses at Pinehurst, you, dude. I mean, not to mention Tobacco Road is twenty five minutes away. Mm. You, dude, I could just go on and on. It's unreal. Yeah. And you mentioned a little bit earlier too, you know, the Tot Hill Farm and, and the bag tour. And I think I'd love to get into that because one of the, you know, newest events for, for them and yourself as an, as an event planner of, of sorts was the McEwen Skills Challenge that you just put on last week at, at Tot Farm. And I'd love to kind of hear, you know, what all that event entailed and how it went and, uh, and what's, you know, your, your maybe future uh, plans with McEwen and the bag tour. Yeah, man. Honestly, uh, first off, just shout out to them. They were honestly so accommodating with just just um, 
really just help him get the voice out there on, on social media, especially my boy Andy Fleetwood over at the, you know, the, the kind of the, the owner and the runner of the back, back tour, the Blow Average Golf Tour. And, man, it was – for me, it wasn't even like it was – it was like a dream the whole time. Honestly, um, when I started this I- planning, this kind of idea where I want to host a um, – basically a every quarter skins match. I want to give people who don't have the chance of making the tour the chance to win some money and make a little money for the families or we're earning some sponsorships. Obviously that side of things is more so Andy, but for me, the golf tournament thing side of things is like, I want there to be a tournament where people can have a chance to win money and they don't have to be a plus two or a PGA tour player or go through college golf or anything of that source. They can be a 12 handicap and come out there and, and get lucky one day and walk and shoot a 62 with their partner and walk away with 800 bucks in their pocket. You know, that can, that would change like that would change somebody's month or just their, their, their year. If they win, you know, just one tournament win. Um, and it's very affordable for me. Like, again, we thought we might have what 15 teams at 30 players. Um, we thought we were going to have, I think out, out of, we had originally we had, what was it? 88 commits. So that's 44 two man teams on show day, on showtime, tee off time. It was, we had 80 teams. I like those odds. Yeah, for a first-time event, you know, not and, – and this is no dig, but not a whole lot of time to plan. It was kind of like a month maybe, if, it was. if that. Yeah, so, that I came mean, out of – to me, that came out real quick. I was like, wait, yeah. what's going on? I was like, damn, I want to drive down there so bad right now. I was like <laughs> – Yeah, the boys almost Dude. packed the sticks and just – and left it and just called it a well, day yeah. and we're down. Yeah, you could have you you crashed at the pad, boys. Y'all wouldn't have played a hotel or nothing. Dude, you we do, legit. We were messaging. That's, uh, we're taking you on that. <laughs> we were we were messaging back and forth. Hey, we, I was like, ooh, I was like, I don't know, yeah, man. Honestly, <laughs> man, like, uh, that was that's a learning curve. I think that for me, that's what that was. Was one, I didn't think about the timing. It was just after the PGA show. I was like, oh man, like people are going to be so caught up in the show that they're not going to really remember or think about it or even be in their mind because they got so much product that's being tossed in front of their face that it's going to get lost in social media. It's not really going to matter. You know, I'm again, I'm going to have 30 guys show up (laughs) and it just started growing and growing and growing. And I'm like, all right, here we go, man. Like, I think this is going to turn into something that I really was ready for, honestly. Um, And it couldn't have asked for a better day, man. It was a gorgeous day. The, the maintenance crew had the golf course set up in prime time. The pins were just absolutely filthy, but they were manageable. They were scorable. Obviously, we had what well, we had. We had two 63s. We had three or four 64s. Uh, me and my partner came in with a smooth 69, you know, and that's kind of hey. heartbreaking because we missed like a solid like eight birdie putts. Like oh, man. it was it's gross. Uh, and we should have we, been so filthy to yourself. <laughs> we parred every par five. Oh wow. man. Yeah. And then honestly, it, it, could it, not have, it couldn't have ended better, man. I'll be real with you. Like it'd have been fun if like five different people to one scans. That'd have been kind of cool. But that was the best part about it was the mystery at the end. I'm sitting here going, I got this big scoreboard. I I'm putting my mod dukes to work. Got her <laughs> writing down 18 whole scores for every single group, you know, putting her to work. And, you know, we're going through and I'm like, all right, you know, that hole's canceled out. Everybody's skins canceled out. Bam, bam, bam. We're all through. I'm like, man, we really had no skins. And then bam, an eagle on a par four hops up. I'm like, oh, there it goes. There's the winner. And then like two scorecards later, the same hole 
somebody eagles it from on a part four. I'm like, oh my gosh, like I had, I did not see that happen because it's not an eagleable hole. If you look at the scorecard on number twelve at at Tot Hill, um, you, if you can hit a bomb it, you can might drive the green, but it's not really. It's like a very it's all guarded by water. Like it's not an idea that you really have. And uh, two eagles on the same day, I did not see that happening. And then get lo and behold, this guy uh, Damon Burrow from Raleigh, he does a lot of uh, like testing and stuff for Golfers Authority. Um, definitely go check him out. He and him and his partner, they uh, ended up winning this only skin on just a stymie, just nasty, filthy uh, eagle on the par five fifth, and they all walked away with seven hundred ninety bucks in their pocket. Yeah, that's nice. that's see that that's what I love about it, man. Because it just it goes back to when Dalton and I were down at at the PGA show, you know, it, it, it's guys like you, it's guys like Janela that get these, these group of people from all over the country. And like, you know, you had, you had a pretty solid uh, group of like pretty strong Instagram accounts that are all golf related that come and And that's pretty much the, the essence of it right there. It's just that it's like that meetup, but you know, what I also like about it is ever since I got into the game, I started progressing. I started getting better a lot quicker than I anticipated or thought I would to where I was like, wow, you know, it'd be fun to compete because, you know, I've competed my entire life in sports. So, you know, yeah. and then, you, you you know, you graduate high school or you graduate college and then it, it's like you come back to this to this uh to this world and it, it, it's a now what kind of situation like what am I going to do to to find that competitive edge again like how can I do that it's hard to get a team sport together a bunch of guys because they're all committed to other different things whether golf you can do individually and then but you know for me you know where I'm at the tournaments that I really want to get into I'm not quite there and they're on the more expensive side and guys will just eat me alive so it's like wow you know is it really worth the cash and the money to you know go for that even though you know it's it'd be great learning experience but then like playing your your local muni round or your member game on the weekend you know okay that's cool and all but it's you know sometimes it's i i need a little bit more and then you have you have these these skins matches and you have these meetups and you have these you know these events and in in which I and I see big hopes of it getting even bigger to where you know that you know you can go out you can like you said you can be a twelve handicap you can be a five you get a couple of teams together or whatnot and you guys can walk out with some extra cash and that and that's what that's what drives me sometimes too because. You know, there are people that, like you said, may need that money here and there. So, and, and then you're just playing golf, and, that, and that's what it's all about. And i be honest, man, the biggest thing for me about this entire tournament was, like, it wasn't about coming out and trying to shoot a score, man. It was like – I told him it very clear. If I catch you grinding over a three-foot putt for a, double, a bogey or a double bogey, I'm going to probably embarrass you or laugh at you or make fun of you and tell you to keep it moving because this is not a tournament for you. Um, it is meant to – meet people from all around. We had guys from South Carolina, guys from the mountains that had guys from the beach. My homeboy Wes, the salty golfer, he drove, you know, three hours to come play in that. And which kudos, I can't thank everybody enough, man. Like it was unreal. And like you said, it was affordable. Every, I asked everybody, you know, to kind of pay 40 bucks. It was 29 for the round, 10 for the skins. And everybody's extra buck. I threw it right back in the skins pot. How, I mean, how can you go wrong with that? And, you, you know, and thank you know, honestly, like shout out to Top Hill. You know, I worked I was able to work out with them to where I could give them they charged me a flat rate. So I could walk up to them, here you go, here you go, here is X amount of money. 
for every single golfer that's out here that play on their golf, there you go. That's all I need to do with them. The rest is, is up to me. The rest is up. They can run their stuff how they want to, and we're going to go play golf and have fun. They don't have to worry about nothing else. I try and make it as easy as possible for everybody involved at the club. Um, I wanted it to be as smooth for them as possible, so it didn't require them to have to bring in any extra help or, or do anything outside, outlandish. And, and honestly, at the end, they said that we were one of the best groups that they have ever hosted out there and that they would love to have us back. And they, they honestly were just could not believe how smooth everything went. You know, it's so funny. We talk about it all the time, too. And, like, golf just needs to make a move to be more affordable because there you get a lot of your country clubs. And even, like, in, in my area, it's a lot of beach courses, beach resort courses. So it's, like, $100 or more per round. Yeah. And it's, like, your average Joe that's come, just wants to get into the game, there's either, like, your cheap muni or mm-hmm. your high-end course. There's, like, just never that happy medium, it seems like. So, like – Todd Hill looked amazing. And for in February, I mean, it just looked so prime. And it's like, that's the kind of stuff that we need to start leaning towards is affordable golf at really nice golf courses, or even better than mediocre, you know, not your Pinehurst or your legendary courses, but even just affordable golf at a really well-kept course. And it seems like you were able to do that. And it's really cool to hear that that kind of opportunity presented itself. Yeah, man, honestly, it was for me, I, I I still sit here and, and just kind of think about the whole day. And the first four holes, it, I was a chicken with his head cut off. I, I honestly, I was on my phone. Um, I think we started out when we started out bogey par par. Like you know what I mean? Like it was some. You know, we didn't even get it going until like the third or fourth hole. Like just because I was just so out of it, just trying to get everything going. Um, but I had so much help, man. It was honestly so awesome. Everybody who, who sponsored the event, um, there's so many in the names. So obviously that would take a little bit of time, but they all know who they are. And they made the event honestly just more than what I personally ever could imagine. And as somebody who I never thought I'd be playing a golf tournament, um, <laughs> that's not something that I ever thought I would dabble in or even, but it was just an idea that came to me. And I, I thought it'd be a great way to do a collab with Andy in the back tour because I think what he's doing over there is a great, great avenue for the, the 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 amateur game. And I think that it's honestly anybody out there who I was, I mean, I just joined today. You guys are one of my newest sponsors. You know? Yeah, so shout I, out, shout out to uh, to our first sponsored athlete, let's part go. of the bag tour. Let's go. Uh, <laughs> yo, pumped to bring not only you but hopefully a full team onto the roster for 2020 and to be able to bring you guys some awesome merch to play for, you know? Um, so yeah, guys, check out the bag tour. If you don't already know where to find them, it's the below average golf tour below underscore average underscore golf or the bag Find them in both spots, reach out to them, ask how you can get involved. It's a really neat, like you said, Pat, just kind of amateur tour per se, where you play yeah. matches for other guys who their whoever their sponsor is, you play for merch. Uh, so you can get some pretty sweet stuff throughout the summer if you win your events and through the fall. So yeah, what they're doing over there at the bag tour is really neat. And it's kind of unprecedented in the scene of amateur golf. Yeah, it's honestly kind of funny how me and Andy kind of got linked up. Uh, I actually looped for him like back in August. He was the winner of a name the name this beer contest for Pinehurst Brewery. <laughs> um, and oh man, I honestly I think I, I'm drawing a blank, but he he they won the name for uh, oh called Smooth Grooves. That's what it's called, Smooth Grooves. I want to say that's the name of the beer that they named for. Uh, 
the contest and they won. And uh, Eric, uh, who's the, the master brewery over at Firearms Brewery, he, you know, gave them this comp round for, you know, they all went out and played on uh, number four. And I, I looped for those guys. Then with Jamie Lee and my man over at Golf Nation Podcast. And uh, that's actually how I met him and kind of got into this. And he's invited me out to a couple of events. And the first one I went to was at Red Bridge Golf Course, like out in just the middle of nowhere towards like Charlotte and unreal golf track. So much fun. I ended up like kind of just balling out. I ended up losing to, you know, one of the guys in a, in a playoff hole, but it was so much fun. Everybody was so friendly and it was, wasn't taken too, too serious. Um, I took it probably a lot lighter than some of the guys. Um, but it was fun, man. And that's now I've played, I think, two or three events with the bag tour, just kind of hanging out as one of the guys, uh, not a member. And I just – nothing but good things to say about it. And like I said, it gives your average Joes a chance to compete for something that's not multi-millions of dollars and it can cost them their, their, their families. You know, it's something that, you know, they don't have to go wake up at 3 a.m. and drive eight hours to make a qualifier or whatever. And, you know, and they can just go I, – I could call my buddy up, hey, man, you want to play a match tomorrow? all right, cool, we'll go ahead and let, you know, Andy or whatever know, and we're going to go out and play for this and this. And, you know, you don't really get – you don't get the points for the back tour until you have, you know, purchased your, you know, product or whatever for the person who won the match. You know what I mean? So it's it's a great way to hold players account, accountable for actually buying what they say they're going to do. And it's overall just – I think he's doing on something really positive here for just the amateur game in itself. Yeah, so I mean, to fill people in on, you know, maybe a little bit of background behind it too, uh, what he was talking about uh, was, you know, buying um, your sponsored uh, guy's merch. So basically, uh, Pat is sponsored by us through the bag tour, along with uh, the Gusta Golf Collective, Stymie Golf Supply. I'm sure all of our followers have seen all the awesome head covers and stuff that they're making out there, and also sponsored by Cloud9 Golf. So basically, fellow Pat looper. Fellow looper, no doubt about it. Out Pinehurst, correct? Yes, I'm not sir. mistaken. Yeah. Man, you guys are brothers down there. Yeah, we are. <laughs> I love that. So yeah, so basically if Pat were to win his event, his opponent would be able to buy him something off of his four sponsors for his win, pretty much. And it goes like that. Vice versa. If he if Pat were to lose, he'd buy whoever his opponent's sponsors were, he'd buy him something off their website. So, you know, after out of their merch. Collection. Something you agree upon prior to the match. Yep. So it's just real neat to, you know, not only for us as a budding brand here to kind of just get into the scene with amateur golfers that we want to support. And that's the kind of style that the bag tour is putting on of what we like in golf. It's that kind of lighthearted yet playing for something a little bit more than, you know, just a dollar or two, you know, it, it's just, it's the lighthearted, you know, nature of golf that we love to support. And I think it's a really neat thing they got going there. I agree completely. It really is. Shout out to Andy bag tour. Blow yes, Ridge golf. Yep, no doubt about it, man. Andy's got a great thing going there. And uh, I think, you know, we just appreciate them letting us be a part of it. And um, we've, we're looking forward to what not only maybe, you know, some exclusive bagger stuff that we can uh, kind of provide, you know, for, for some, uh, for some stuff down the road, but just uh, overall some packages for the bag tour that, you know, everyone can buy and, and get their hands on. So we're pretty excited to see what we can do in the future. Likewise, man, I'm ready to go ahead and get it started. No doubt, man. Well, hey, Pat, thanks again for joining us. Uh, if they, if people didn't catch where they can find you uh, on Instagram, where can people find you? Uh, bagger underscore two four. And on Pinehurst, any day of the week, if you guys go any down day. and take a trip, whether it's uh, Bagger or Cloud9, hit those guys up. Uh, 
get them to take you a loop around Pinehurst. I can guarantee you they're the best in the game. Uh, Pat, we appreciate the time tonight, man, and uh, go enjoy that walk out there, all right? My fellas, I can't appreciate y'all enough. Thank you so much for having me on. Bagger out. Shut it.